You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Election College, Episode 22, 1850, An Unforeseen Turn of Events. In this episode, Zachary Taylor dies in office, Fillmore becomes president, and the Compromise of 1850 happens. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. Hey everybody, I'm Ben Smith. And I'm Jason Goff. And thanks for joining us for another episode of Election College. Let's get into it. Hey Jason, it's uh it's eighteen fifty. Yeah, uh, what are we doing here? Ah, another one of these, huh? Yeah, uh, so, <laughs> uh, it seemed like it was just 1848 and President Taylor, you remember him? He won, right? Yeah, he was, you know, he was just rocking the place out, doing everything he can to keep the, keep the country running and, uh, well, he, he goes to this fundraising event to help out with some things. Yeah, it's the 4th of July. Woohoo! Washington Monument, here we come, looking all cool and dapper, and Taylor comes in and he's like, hey, you know what? I'm going to eat some raw fruit and maybe some iced milk when I get home. I think it'll be good for me. Yeah, it sounds like a really good idea, and, you know, it's it's always a good idea to have fruit in the middle of the summer in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so <laughs> In 1850. Right. Yeah. So... Over the next few days, he's like, "Oh, hmm, I'm I'm getting kind of sick here." Yeah, his doctors diagnose him as having cholera morbus, which is an intestinal issue. And I mean, I'm sure everybody's heard of cholera, but cholera morbus is just a different uh, transformation of it, I suppose. Yeah, and so he's got that, and shocker alert: July 9th comes, and he dies. So you're saying five days after that party, he croaks. Yeah, he's dead. Like this guy who's in his 60s and he's relatively healthy and he's leading the country dies. Right before he dies, he he knows he's probably going to die. And he is talking to the medical assistant and he says, I should not be surprised if this were to terminate in my death. I did not expect to encounter what has beset me since my elevation to the presidency. God knows I have endeavored to fulfill what I conceive to be an honest duty, but I have been mistaken. My motives have been misconstrued and my feelings most grossly outraged. Wow. Man. Yeah. <laughs> I. That doesn't sound like a pleasant end. No, not at all. And, well, maybe we should talk about the guy a little bit. His presidency was cut short, but... Um, in our last episode, we were talking about how 
Uh, President Taylor had been elected largely because old Marty threw himself into the presidential race. And he basically split the Democrats up intentionally because he didn't like Lewis. Uh, what's his name? Lewis Cass. <laughs> old, old scary, as I like yeah. to call him. Um, he didn't like Cass or his policies. So who do we actually blame Taylor's death on? Is it Marty because he was the reason Taylor got elected? Or do we blame Lewis Cass because he was so mean? I think it was just because he scared him to death. <laughs> oh, man. No, no offense. I, you know. Yeah. In case anybody who's listening is somehow related, no offense to your ancestor, of course. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the issue of what new states were going to do about the whole slave issue was the predominant dividing line between the political philosophies out there. And Taylor actually won the election, but he was not a majority elected president. So he's pretty vague about his viewpoints. And he didn't even vote in a presidential election before being elected. Yeah, it sounds crazy, doesn't it? The um the the Whigs and the Democrats liked him so much that they wanted him to run for their party in eighteen forty eight. And everybody called him a Whig general who fought a democratic war. So it's almost like he's like, I don't really care about politics and yet both sides still want him. And eventually, um in a weird turn of events, he becomes the president elect. Yeah, and even though he said, hey, I'm going to include a bunch of different people from all over, he's only appointing Whigs to his cabinet positions and other administrative roles. But (laughs) he's actually getting people from all over the country. So diversity doesn't necessarily mean political parties, but where you're from. Right. And I mean, everybody, I mean, knows that Henry Clay, though, he's he's going to get a seat in the cabinet, right? Uh, of course not. No, no. He cho- he chose all the lesser known people to fill the seats. So Henry Clay gets the shaft once again. And he he didn't appoint any Democrats, um, which is insane. And then he didn't appoint Henry Clay, which is insane because, I mean, it's Henry Clay. Come on. Yeah. And as president, he remains very vague um, as to what he's going to stand for. And he was said to be out of touch with Congress. And really, the only influence he had on legislation was the admission of California and New Mexico to the Union. Yeah. And admittedly, those are pretty big things. But other than that, hmm. so so our buddy Zach Taylor, he's a slave owner who wants to ban the expansion of slavery. Uh, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. He wasn't a very big proponent of manifest destiny, even though he was the big military general in the American Mexican war. He was the president, but he didn't want to make really big decisions, even though he was a military man who had a lot of authority previously. Yeah. And through all of this, all of this uncertainty as to what he did believe, he was pretty committed. Uh, actually, he was very committed to preserving the Union, and even if it meant using force against the cessationists. Well, Taylor dies, and they bury him, and he's in the Congressional Cemetery for about three months, and then they transport his body to Louisville, Kentucky. 
And that's that's the end, right? Yeah. Yeah. Until just a few decades ago, in the 70s and 80s, a new theory as to the cause of Zach Taylor's death emerged. And there was a humanities professor at the University of Florida. Um, her name is Clara Rising. She was researching a book about Taylor. Yeah, and her research led to some different questions about how a healthy man like Taylor uh, could be stricken ill so quickly and in, what, four or five days go from, okay, hanging out at the uh, 4th of July party to being dead. And she speculated that, okay, maybe political rivers killed him. Yeah, dude. I am kind of scared. I'm going to stay away from the, the, the raw fruit and milk. Yeah, for real. Clara Rising said, um, uh, the suspicions are really in the history books and that everything Taylor had worked against came forward and was passed by both houses of Congress after he died. So those are some of her theories as to why it happened. It may be really solid or far fetched. I'm not really sure but yeah well like any good conspiracy theory um we need to find out answers right so they get the okay from some of taylor's descendants and they say let's dig him up in 1991 so not that long ago they did exhume his remains and they got some hair and some fingernail samples and turns out he did have some trace amounts of arsenic but not enough to say any foul play had happened i mean as we all know and hear all the time, you know, even different fruits have arsenic in them. So it might not have been anything too scary. Yeah. Hey, Ben, do you think that that could happen? Have you heard about that where there's arsenic in apple seeds? Like, do you think you could really die from having too many apple seeds? I heard somebody say one time, and I don't know if there's any validity to it at all, that you'd have to eat like a hundred apple cores whole to have any kind of ill effects, but that could have just been someone making that up. I'm not sure. I'm not willing to test that out, but no, no, nor am you, I. you might die from other reasons. Yes. If you do that. Yeah. If you eat a hundred apple cores, you <laughs> may have bigger problems than arsenic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, about the, the, the raw fruit and the milk, um, they do say that that probably didn't kill him. Uh, but it probably irritated something that was already in his system and that it's possible that his illness was made worse. Get this by the shoddy medical care that was around during his time. Yeah, I mean, 1850, they'd come a long way from 150 years before that. But in the 150 years since then, we've definitely made some improvements. So it's entirely possible that they just didn't really know what they were doing. So, yay, 21st century medical care. Yeah. <laughs> so, our buddy Millard Fillmore, what are we going to call him, Phil? Or No, that's too confusing. We'll we probably figure it out here. Maybe Millie? Millie. Millie takes the oath of office and becomes the president. And this makes this insane, abrupt political shift in the White House. It's just totally different ideas. Yeah. Hey, is that like Millie Vanilli? It's almost the exact same thing. Yeah. Ba, 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 baby. Okay. So we are not going to have to pay for that, are we? No. Nope. Totally, totally free. That was a free sample. I mean, they didn't do it either. So. Okay. Just making sure. Cause yeah. we, we could lip sync the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So anyway, sorry to totally derail that point. But yeah, so he's in and there's a lot of changes. Here comes the compromise of 1850. This is a big one, folks. Things are getting pretty tense around the country and this idea of Western expansion and the issue of slavery is really coming to a head. Yeah, this is especially evident with the new territories that were acquired as a result of the Mexican-American War that had just ended back in 1848. So the Compromise of 1850 was actually five separate bills that were passed by Congress um, in September of 1850. And, I mean, let's introduce some new blood onto the scene to do some things. How about Henry Clay? Yeah, that's a great <laughs> idea. I'm glad you mentioned him. Henry Clay, Mr. Whig, and Stephen Douglas, uh, Democrat through and through, draft the compromise with the five main points. And uh starts off with Texas. We talked about Texas a lot in uh, the last episode. Let's talk about it some more. Yeah. So for all of those who have one of those little clicker things that counts, I guess, is that called a counter? Um Texas, Texas. So there's a lot that can be said about Texas. And Texas would surrender its claim to New Mexico, as well as its claims north of the Missouri Compromise Line. And the Compromise of 1850 solved the problem of Texas having ownership of sections of present-day Colorado, Kansas, and Wyoming. Yeah, and the feds actually gave Texas $10 million in bonds, which is a lot of money in 1850 for sure. Yeah, and that's not too big of a deal for Texas to give up those lands anyway because they weren't really doing much with that territory anyway. So part of the crazy shape of Texas, uh, they got to keep the panhandle. All these other lines that were like, why are the states shaped like they're shaped? And that's part of the reason why. But Man, Texas just has all sorts of weird reasons why it's shaped the way it is. Yeah, it, it gets kind of funky, but there's actually a chart, and I'm sure there's several charts. You just Google it. Uh, Google should sponsor us, Ben. Yeah, I think that's probably not something they do. They just paid all that money for that new logo. I think that's... that they could probably pay us. But anyway. You think, do you think they paid somebody or was that in-house? Uh, actually, I read that there was somebody in Russia, a Russian graphic designer, who developed a similar logo for Google um, several years ago, and they never did anything with it. Huh. And there's a little bit of talk that it wasn't actually his design, but it was close enough to his design that I think they gave him some money for it. Uh, okay. All right. But anyway, I... I yeah, so Google, hey, uh, Election College, it's, it's a really cool program. You should sponsor it. We so, know you hear what we say because you hear everything we all say. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, Google it. It's kind of cool to see all of the different lines that were drawn up and the different people who had this idea and that idea of the way Texas should look. And that's the reason it's got all those crazy – panhandles and I don't know. What do you call that thing that like that westernmost edge of Texas kind of jets out there? And um, there's a reason behind that. Yeah. 
as part of the compromise with everything that happened uh, with Texas, the feds actually took over the state's debt and uh, the Republic of Texas had some financial struggles back in the old days. So the, the feds took it over as part of that compromise. So that's point number one, Texas. Yes, Texas. So number two was New Mexico and Utah territories. Um, ben, you remember popular sovereignty? I sure do. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who are just catching up with us, um, that was the idea that the decision whether to be a slave state or a free state was up to the local governments, not the federal government or Congress. So popular sovereignty becomes the way that these lands would be, would determine whether they'd be free or slave. And that was not a popular idea for the southern states. They did not like the idea of popular sovereignty because they were all about, hey, everything below the south of the Missouri Compromise Line needs to be slave. Right. Yeah, I can imagine why that would be disruptive to your economy. Yeah. So uh, one of our listeners, Carrie, gave us a shout out a long while ago that there's this county in Utah named Millard, and the county seat is called Fillmore. So we talked about Millard Fillmore a little bit. Uh, the reason for this, uh, part of this point number two, we're talking about Utah territories. Uh, Millard Fillmore ac- appointed Brigham Young as the first governor of the Utah Territory in 1850. Okay, so we've got point number one, Texas. Number two, New Mexico and Utah Territories. And number three, of course, California. Who could forget lovely California joining the Union as a free state with its current borders that it was already uh, possessing as a territory. And the Mexican Civil War, or not the Mexican Civil War, the Mexican-American War, California is run by these military governors. Yeah, and President Polk, remember him? I do. Yeah, he tried to get Congress to officially establish a territorial government out there in California, but the debates about slavery between the North and the South prevented this from happening. Remember that Missouri Compromise line? Well, the South wanted to extend the slave territory to Southern California, and of course the North didn't. So we've got all of these people coming in, because you remember the football team, right? The 49ers? Uh Yep, yep. Yeah, they actually start rushing the state in 1848. The 49ers? And I think so. The San Francisco 49ers. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So they come out in actually it's 1848, but it's towards the end of the year. So let's just round it up, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So the population is booming and they call a constitutional convention in 1849 and the delegates unanimously say, Hey, we don't want slavery. So good job, 49ers. Yeah, congrats. Way to go. Uh, they didn't want to extend the Missouri Compromise line because that would divide the state. And, you know, it's already, a, it's already kind of a thing. So why divide it up? And then Southern Cal- California was not only sparsely populated, but it was also heavily Hispanic. So as we've talked about before, uh, Hispanics, uh, the Mexico, the Mexicans did not like slavery, it had been outlawed, so it was not going to sway that way in any sense of the word. Right. 
So, compromise of 1850, point number one, Texas. <laughs> you just want to keep saying Texas. <laughs> I do, but it helps me remember. Texas, number two, New Mexico and Utah territories. Number three, California. And number four, the fugitive slave law. Ooh. So to meet the demands of the South, the fugitive slave law was actually put in as part of the compromise. Yeah. And this was crazy. I mean, we're talking, I mean, this isn't that long ago. No, not at all. Get this. Ordinary citizens. If you're in a Northern state, and you see somebody who may look like an escaped slave, you are required to aid the slave catchers. And this creates all kinds of increased tension over the upcoming years. So um, remember that, the fugitive slave law. That's a yeah, big that's, deal. It is. Hey, do you remember the... um the last few episodes of Seinfeld. I mean, I know this is a real thing too, but the, the Good Samaritan law, essentially. Mm -hmm. This is like the opposite of the Good Samaritan law. Yeah, it is. It is. It's basically, yeah. If you see somebody trying to, to take people back into slavery, you better help them. Yeah. And who, who do you know is, is an escaped slave or not even? Yeah. Yeah. For real. I have a feeling there was some, uh, what's, what's it called? Cognitive dissident, dissonance? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Happening there. Uh, okay. Jason, you want to go through them again? Yes. The sun shines bright in the sky, deep in the heart of Texas. Number one, Texas. Number two, New Mexico and the Utah territories. Number three, California. Number four, the fugitive slave law. And number five, banning slave trade in the District of Columbia. Yeah, but get this. It didn't ban slavery. It just banned the slave trade. So go figure. Yeah, kind of uh, a little bit backwards, but I guess it's progress. Y yeah. So as the Compromise of 1850 did calm down things for a little while, we'll be referring back to this a lot over the next few episodes of election college. And it really can't be understated or I'm sorry, it can't be overstated how much Henry Clay uh, really had to do with this. He was kind of the champion of the whole thing. I mean, yeah, there were other people who helped out, but poor Henry Clay, he can't seem to get elected president. He can't seem to get on a presidential cabinet, but he sure does whip up a compromise. Yep. It's a good guy, Henry Clay. So just think about all this stuff that we just talked about, starting with Texas, of course. Uh, at the beginning Texas. of 18, at the beginning of 1850, there was really no way this compromise would have happened. And then one man's death led to all these different changes. Yeah, it's crazy. And it just goes to show you, you never know what a year may bring. Hey, during one of our first episodes, um, it, it may have even been episode zero. One of us said, I think it was you, but I'm not sure, that we didn't know much about Millard Fillmore. And it turns out, not only 1850, but afterwards, he's pretty important. And we will talk about him more in the next episode. Yeah. But for now, we are here in 1850. We've got a compromise. We've got 
Millie in the house. And that's a dramatic pause. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what they probably didn't have in 1850? Um, maybe ice cream? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. I was thinking iTunes. Oh, yeah, iTunes. Yeah. That's kind so, of like ice cream, right? It's almost the exact same thing, but no one would have been able to leave us a review on iTunes back in 1850. But now that it's 2015, someone has. Oh, man. You got medical care and you've got iTunes. What else do you need? <laughs> exactly. USAFCCF. That's a, I mean, that's a hard name to be given at birth. You know what? That uh, sounds so- like it might be somebody who is a veteran of the Air Force. I'm just going to pretend that it is. And that's awesome. <laughs> says, I truly enjoy this podcast. I learn and laugh, and that's the perfect combination. I would keep this podcast at 20 to 30 minutes and no longer. Thanks, guys. Uh-oh, we're coming up on 30 minutes here. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? I really appreciate that. That feedback about the episode length and the content is so important to us. So thank you. Hey, hey Jason. Yeah. We we made a boo-boo. Oops. Yeah. We got this uh, correction from a guy named Ed. Thanks, Ed. For some, I assume it's a guy named Ed. I'm just going to say from Ed. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the 18 – he says this. He or she says, at the end of the 1844 podcast, you made a passing reference to Polk's legacy being tainted because of his southern sympathies. I think that was me that said that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I believe you have the wrong fella here. John Tyler was the guy that had very Virginian sympathies and was elected to the Congress of the Confederacy, but he did not serve before his death in 1862. So we made a mistake in saying that. And thanks, Ed, for pointing that out to us. Yeah, we really appreciate that. And Polk was the guy who died just about three months after his term ended. So he wouldn't have even known what the Confederacy was. So Right, right. Really appreciate that, Ed. Thank you. If you hear a correction or something we say wrong and that's really wrong, let us know. We're cool with that. Uh, we might not always mention it, but we're definitely humbled by it. And... Uh, Thanks for listening. We appreciate your listenership. We do appreciate the reviews. You can leave one on iTunes at electioncollege.com slash review. Yeah, and we hang out on Twitter at Election College, and we have been known to make an appearance on Facebook at facebook.com slash electioncollege. And, of course, we hop on Canva all the time and make cool graphics and upload those onto our Instagram account at election college so check us out i think that's everything for today this is ben and this is jason and thank you very much for listening we'll see you later this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes Ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.